Hi, I'm Cindy Morgan, but you probably know me as Lacey Underall from Caddyshack or Yori from Tron. And I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 145 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the show that keeps you updated on what's coming away as far as movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. And, of course, this week we have another great guest coming away. It's Cindy Morgan. Cindy was Yuri in the original Tron, and she was Lacey Underall in Caddyshack. She's going to have a lot of things to talk about. She's coming up in a few minutes, so stick around for that. And also, I want to remind you about our contest that's going on right now. You can win a copy of Greek Chapter 5. It's Season 3, the complete Season 3. And I have them right in front of me here looking at them. And you have a chance to win that. It's from On Screen to Beyond and Shout Factory. And all you got to do is send us an email at contest at onscreenandbeyond.com and answer one of two questions. It's your choice. You can name three main characters from the TV show Greek, or you can tell us which cast member's father was a past guest on On Screen and Beyond. Okay, so you can tell us that. And uh, the contest will end on January 14th, so be sure to get your entry in. You've got a little bit of time left to do that. And then we'll have a drawing from all the correct answers, and we'll come up with a winner, and we'll send those out to you. So... Let's see. That's uh, the contest that's going on. And also like us on Facebook if you get a chance. If you're one of those people that does Facebook, you can uh, go there and like us and keep you informed on what's going on at On Screen and Beyond. All you got to do is go to our homepage, scroll down to the bottom. We have a link right there that will get you right to it. And let's see. That's about it. Coming up in just a few minutes, Cindy Morgan's going to be coming your way. So until then, we got to keep going because it's time now for Remake Madness. Next on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. Well, Disney, of course, has uh, done Tron, which was a sequel. But uh, in 1979, they had the Black Hole. And now it looks like they're looking at making a remake of that uh, movie. And it was uh, looking for a 2012 release on it. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And a remake of Sylvester Stallone's 90s film Cliffhanger is in the works. And also in development is a remake of Disney's Flight of the Navigator. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next in On Screen and Beyond, it's upcoming movies. Next. Upcoming movies, well, it looks like uh, Ryan Reynolds is rumored to be in the cast of a film that's hoping for a 2013 release, and it's in the script stage right now, so uh, we'll see what happens with it. But it's called Motorcade, and it's about a terrorist plot against the president's motorcade as it goes through L.A. And it looks like Emma Stone is going to lend her voice to The Croods. It's an animated film set in prehistoric times, and it tells about when a tribe's leader is threatened by the arrival of a genius who comes up with fire. Okay, we'll see what uh, 
happens with that one. And Adam Sandler and Kevin James will team up once again in Valet Guys. And it's in development right now. It's about two valet parking guys who witness a murder, and they're on the run for their lives. And that's about it for upcoming movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City. What's coming your way as far as sequels? Sequel City, well, it looks like Paranormal Activity 3 is looking for an October 21st, 2011 release in theaters. And G.I. Joe 2 is in the works over in Paramount. And it looks like Hellboy star Ron Perlman says he's up for making Hellboy 3. But at this point, it's only in the talking stage, so we'll keep an eye out for that. That's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, we're going to take a look at what's coming away as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, Mad Men Season 4 will come to DVD and Blu-ray on March 29th in a four-disc set. And past on-screen to beyond, guest Lee Majors stars in Six Million Dollar Man, which can now be ordered from Time Life as a full series set since November. It's been available. And now you can order Season 1 alone for a limited time. So check that out. And on February 8th, you can get... Columbo Mystery Movie Collection, 1991 to 1993, in widescreen. So that'll be coming your way in February 8th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, we're going to take a look at movies on DVD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Movies on DVD, well, Due Date with Robert Downey Jr. lands on DVD on February 22nd. And Jackass 3D will arrive on Blu-ray and DVD on March 8th. And Star Wars The Complete Saga will come to Blu-ray in September. So that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, we are going to be chatting with Cindy Morgan. Now, Cindy has done a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of people know her as Yori on the original Tron movie and Lacey Underall from Caddyshack. And she's going to talk about all that and a whole lot more. It's coming up right now on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actress who played such memorable roles as Yori in the original Tron movie, Gabrielle Short in Falcon's Crest, and Lacey Underall in the classic comedy Caddyshack. It's Cindy Morgan. Cindy, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks. Sounds like it's going to be fun. Cindy, uh, yeah, I can tell it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> the pre-interview we should have right now. Well, That's right. <laughs> But then all of our reputations will be lost. That's so it's right. A good thing we don't have that. <laughs> now, you know, looking at back at all the things you've done here, um, mm-hmm. and what you're doing in the future too. We have to, you mm-hmm. know, we want to talk about that too. But um, I guess the, the place to start um, is going to be with right now. Tron is out, and it's you know it's one of the top movies right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But you were in the original. Mm-hmm. 
how did that come about? How did you get the part of uh, being Yuri on Tron? I was dating a guy, and he was in my comedy improv class, and he was in a cartoon, and he took me to lunch with the producers, and I'm listening to him talk about this cartoon, and it sounds interesting, but I was hungry, so I was eating my lunch at the Chronicle in Venice, California, and uh, I did, I, then I did a movie called Caddyshack, and I didn't work for a long time after Caddyshack because I locked horns with one of the producers over something, let me put it politely, over something that had nothing to do with my job. <laughs> Okay. You got my thrift? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I didn't work for a long time until Disney came calling, and they brought me in not to, for the casting director, uh, just, to, just to put me on tape for, with Jeff Bridges for the director. And I was like, mm, okay. You know, I, I, I never figured L.A. out. It, it always seemed to me like everybody just got there, and nobody really was sure what they were doing. But I figured, all right, if that's the way you guys want to do it, fine. I, and so, so I, I, it was between me, I found out later, and Deborah Harry. And I came in and read with Jeff, and I got the role. What I found out 28 years later was that lunch I went to with that actor was Tron. He was originally cast as Tron. A couple years later, he's out, I'm in, and he's mad. And and, and, and I try to explain. We clearly were not up for the same role, but he didn't see it that way. (laughs) Now, now you said said Deborah Harry? Deborah Harry was also up for the role of The the singer? Yes. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Blondie. Deborah Harry. Yeah. yeah, Blondie, yeah. She had just done a film. I, I, I forget what it was, but she had just uh, come off of something that people like. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I know there's Tron fans out there that are saying, doesn't that guy know what he's talking about? <laughs> but but I didn't know that. <laughs> um, the Tron fans are wonderful. I've got to tell you something. They are just amazing. The Caddyshack and Tron fan, and I don't like to use the word fan because it's... I don't know. These, 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 they're like friends. They're like family. They know everything about you. I right. mean, and the Caddyshack group and the Tron group are so different. If you had a high school cafeteria, you would have the jocks over on one side and the computer club over on the other side. Mm-hmm. And never the twain shall meet. A lot of the, most folks either know I'm in one movie or the other and not both because Lacey Underall and Yori are very different people. <laughs> huh. Now, with with uh, being on that film, how was it filmed? Which one are we talking Tron, about? Tron, but uh, Tron right now. Uh, very. It, it was a very different work process. Yeah, I was uh, say. Than Caddyshack, if you could use the word work process as applied to Caddyshack, <laughs> um, uh, it was um, a highly structured, storyboarded. Um, uh, have you ever been on a soundstage? Yes. Uh, a re- okay, a soundstage is just a great big, giant, empty warehouse mm-hmm. for those who haven't seen one. And it's got, it's set, some of them have sets on them put together. Some of them are empty. And the, and the one we used was basically empty and painted black. A big, huge, high ceiling, majorly high ceiling, several story, couple stories up, uh, empty soundstage. And um, we would come in in the morning, and when we were in the computer world, uh, you know, I, I just stopped reading the script because I didn't know what the hell they were talking about anyway. So, <laughs> so I would just show up, all right, what are we doing today? And um, uh, one morning, uh, Stephen Lisberger, the writer-director, said, okay, Morgan, you're on the solar sailor, you're crossing the game, see, go. And I went... Okay, I, I just got to ask. Well, what 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 the hell are you talking about here? <laughs> what are we what are we what are we doing? And he says, you see that there was a little bit of a riser, just a little bit of a, a about two and a half feet, three feet riser to climb up onto, and on it was what looked like a banquet table co- covered in black felt. He goes, that's your ship. I said, that's my ship, huh? I said, he said, yeah, you're flying it. And I said, uh, 
I don't want to be the one to say this, but there's nothing here. You know? <laughs> what did you have in mind? And he said, just do anything because the Disney artist will put in under your hands what you do. So I looked down at the banquet table, and in my mind, I saw a soundboard because I had been the sound engineer when I was a, a disc jockey. And in my mind, I saw a, a soundboard with potentiometers and slides and buttons and, and different things to do. And mm-hmm. that was the mechanism in my mind that was driving this vehicle forward. And as far as finding the reality, I just looked into the other actor's eyes. The, I worked with really wonderful people, and, and, and you just look in their eyes, and that's where you find it. That's where you find your rest, especially with somebody like a David Warner. When that man tells you you're going to die, you ha- there's no acting required. You're going to die. You know you're going to die. You don't have to think about it. You know he's very, very powerful. So, 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 so it was. Um, it was. Uh, it, there were sometimes it was difficult. Sometimes it was. It was easy. The hardest part. There were a couple of lines. I, I went a few rounds with the, with the director on and. And I said, I can't say this line. I said, look, I was a tech. I, I, I should understand what I'm saying here. I said, but the thing is, my friends are coming to this movie. I can't say this line. And, he, and he'd say, you have, you're not going to win a fight when the director is also the writer. Right. <laughs> it's real, you're really up against something there. So I, I, I really did my best, but it's clear. The, you can't. It's now my favorite line in the movie because... It just shows you can't lie to the audience. They, they always know. They always know mm-hmm. if you're choking on, the, if you're telling the truth or not. Yeah. And there's a line where I, I say, "Oh, Tron, I knew there wasn't a circuit built that could hold you," and you can hear me choking on the line. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm saying it with every ounce of conviction I can muster, and it's the audience can see right through it. They know I'm not. They 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 know I'm choking, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm fond of it now because I, I had such a, such an admiration and a respect for the audience because they know. They know. Yeah. It makes me smile. They know exactly what's going on. Yeah. Now, was it a lot of uh, blue screen or green screens back no, then? No, actually, yeah, but that's what people thought. Um, uh, I'd, I'd done blue screen and green screen when, when, I, when I did the weather very poorly mm-hmm. in Rockford, Illinois, uh, and in Milwaukee. <laughs> I, I know what that is, but no, this was shot entirely in black and white. Wow. And this was the first CGI film, full CGI film ever ever made. Right. So, so it was layered in. Uh, the hard way, really meticulously, you know, over months and months and months um, later on. Yeah. So it was all black. It was shot in black and white. My understanding is with the old uh, Panavision cameras they used for Lawrence of Arabia. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I ran into the, one of the one of the uh, directors of photography. No, 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 he's the camera operator. Rex Metz, I ran into him at Florida State University. He's sitting behind me and he passed me on the shoulder and he goes, do you know who I am? And I went, um, no, sir, I, I don't. He goes, do you know who I am? I said, sir, I really don't. And I'm getting ready to change my seat right now. You know, <laughs> and, and he goes, stalker I was, yeah, he's, I was operating the camera from Tron. I go, oh, oh, thank you so much. I said, but please understand that you saw me, but I never saw you. Right. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, great guy, great guy. But, um, yeah, it was, it was all up to the, the text to do it. And we had to do our best. We had to believe you know how when you're a little kid and you're playing a game and you just believe it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, when you went to the, the premiere, I presume you went to the premiere and everything, mm-hmm. uh, were you surprised at the actual finished product? I was. Uh, I, I, Carson asked me the same question on The Tonight Show. He said, what did you think? And I, I, I was 
I was I, I I had I had so many mixed feelings. I I I I heard the lines, you know, which were very um, well, campy, you know, over time. But they hold up because because it, it's true to the form of the of the film. It has an innocence. It has it has it has a certain feel about it. Whereas Caddyshack is a lifestyle. Tron is a spiritual belief. The Tron folks really love this film, and uh, I I looked at it all put together, and I was like. But all I could think is, why was I over there, and why didn't I say that line right, and why didn't I lose five more pounds? I mean, I, I'm thinking about what I could have done better. You know, I, I, not, I'm not watching it to enjoy. What I thought of all the special effects was floored. Could not. I just, I just was floored. Um, when I read the script, it didn't. In my mind, I didn't see what I saw there because it was all storyboarded and much put in later, and I'm sure evolved over time. Mm -hmm, yeah. So it was, it was, it was quite a stunning experience. Yeah. Did you realize what an effect it would have on people? Uh, you know, this many years later. I mean, because absolutely the, not. The, the, the I, film either with with Caddyshack or Tron. You have no idea. You do so much work. You go home. You go. You do your job. You do your best job you can, and you go home. Yeah. Now and, Caddyshack. And, I, mean, I mean, Tron rather was not a huge hit at the box office back then. No, no. Which, Nor uh, was Caddyshack. Neither one of them was a, a, a huge hit. Caddyshack wasn't? No, it was banned by the, by the critics. Wow, because um, I mean, that's a classic. Just, <laughs> I know, it just held on over time. It, it just held, again, it found its niche and it held up over time. We did not know. Um, you you never know what's going to be. You think you're doing your best work and it's never where you do your best work. That, that it, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort by so many people but but not just by the writers and the producers and the directors and the cinematographers and the actors and the people who do the special effects and and the editors oh god bless the editors they save my butt more time than i can tell you um it's it's it so much goes into the making of the film that when you finally see it you one never knows and also then how is it going to be received as a product by the audience one doesn't know yeah yeah now of course, we've covered Tron, but um, mm -hmm. going into probably, maybe I'm wrong, but it's the one I remember you the most from, of course, is Caddyshack. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, every time I heard the name Lacey Underall, I thought of a James Bond film, because that's the type of name <laughs> that James right, Bond... Right, right, right. <laughs> they had a James Bond festival last night, and all the names were coming up. It was, it was just... It was just... Oh my! Yeah, yes, I, I'd, I'd be repeating them now, but you might have to believe me. But yes, they were. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was charming. Lacey, Lacey Underall. Well, Lacey actually was a person that Doug Kenny, one of the writers, had met at a country club he had worked at. So she was modeled after a real person. Mm -hmm. The name Underall came from their little high spirited minds. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the best way I can put it. But uh, what a character! I never thought I was going to get that job. I mean, this was, I, I, I went to 12 years of Catholic rural school. I got fixed up with Daniela Carzoli's cousin for both of my proms. I had, I was, I was accepted to the Illinois Institute of Technology and I wanted to be a mechanical engineer because that's what my father hadn't finished, gotten his degree and I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. I was accepted there and I went to the opening, open house and it was four girls and all guys and I panicked and I made a hard left turn. And I went to uh, a liberal arts college, Northern Illinois University, and, and majored in communications and uh, uh, communications and, and a lit literature. And, and that was, everything changed from there. So how did the part of Lacey Underall come towards you? Or did you... I uh, got into broadcasting through communications. Yeah. Uh, while I was in college, I worked at 
two radio stations at the same time. I loved, I, I mean, I had a stutter going into school. I was very shy, and maybe that's how I got put into a speech class in the first place, I'm guessing. You, you couldn't tell it by now because, you know, getting me to shut up seems to be the problem. <laughs> but, but, but at the time, I, I just, I was, I, I was a terrible speaker. Good writer, not a good speaker. But a professor called me over and said, you, it was the first time in my life so somebody said, you know, you're good at this. Maybe you should think about majoring in communications. And it was all I needed to hear. And from that point on, I was spring-loaded. I went from being the shy little nerdish girl who wanted to be a mechanical engineer to wanting to express myself in, in thought, my thoughts in word and, and on the air and in writing. And um, I, I started in radio. I worked at the student radio station and the student television station running camera and sound. And there was a commercial station in, in DeKalb, Illinois, where I went to Northern Illinois University. And they said, you can be on the air in both places, but um, you can't have the same name. Like, people <laughs> I, would figure it out or even think about it. But, I know. Uh, okay. I've had that happen to me before when I was in radio. <laughs> Oh, really? So, so you know. So it's yes. like, you got to be, we're going to fool everybody. I'm like, okay. Uh, they said, you're going on tonight, who you want to be? And I had read a story when I was 12 about um, a character named Morgan Le Fay, who I thought was a woman who made her own choices and made her own destiny. And I just thought how cool that was. And I said, Morgan, if I was ever going to change my name, it was Morgan. I said, Morgan. So when I graduated from college and I sent out resumes, I first sent out resumes with pictures as, as Cindy Sikorsky um, and uh, didn't get a bite. And then sent out the identical resume with Cindy Morgan, same picture, and uh, Morgan got hired. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember on AM I was one name, on FM I was another name. And it's like, oh, so you know. If right. people don't, you know, they can't tell who the, <laughs> the person is. It's, it's not just the same voice, it's the same personality a lot of times, but, but right. you just go, ah, you know, okay, if, if, if that pleases the management and the management believes it, I'll go along right. with it. <laughs> So, uh, so how did you get? Uh, did you go to a uh, you know a, a cattle call opening? Well, I was a dish shucky in Chicago. Again, I, I meandered off, so, so I'll, I'll bring it back. I was a dish. I ended up going about as far as you can go in the radio market, doing morning drive in Chicago, running my own board, FCC licensed sound engineer, turning on that tower at the Hancock Center in the morning because nobody else was going to do it, and 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 uh, you know carrying that FCC license. I mean, this is in the days when we ripped copy read our own news, pulled our own music. I mean, we had, we had music lists, yep. and we had a, a clock we were going by, and, um, and if I didn't like a song, the next disc jockey got it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't going to play the Carpenters. <laughs> they had lovely voices, but then we were on a rock and jazz station, and I didn't think it was appropriate. So, 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 and, and so I, I, I did my own show. I was doing morning drive in a, in a big market, making $135 a week. And and I wanted to do commercials, and nobody would buy. None of the none of the commercial agencies in town, none of the agents would have it. They said, "You're the radio personality. You can't go on camera." I said, "Why not? I did the weather, not well, but I did the weather in other cities. Why can't I do camera work?" And they said, "Absolutely not." So I said, "Ah, the hell with you guys. I'm going to L.A. I I, I did some talking model jobs. If you could pick up a script." and memorize a 10-page script about tractors overnight. You can make a good buck um, um, <laughs> way back there in the 70s. So I did some of that, and I got to L.A., and I got off in April, and I came from Chicago. And you get off the plane in L.A. in April when you're coming from Chicago, and you look at those palm trees, and you go, you know, I might take take a shot out here. So I, I, I got out to L.A., drove my car out there, and um, 
I drove my Firebird out with my cockatiel in the back seat, and uh, I got out. And about, about the time I got out of my car, I got an Irish Spring commercial that paid my bills. Oh, and, I want Cindy. I want to ask you about that too. Sure. Uh, when you were doing the Irish Spring uh, girl, you were the Irish yeah. Spring girl. Was there an Irish Spring guy? Yeah. Was well, it was it they're, Martin? They're, huh? Was it Martin Cove? You know, I didn't ask his name because it was it was all day. It was it was a, it was a whole day of the producer saying, "Say it this way," and then the director would whisper in my ear, "Go, no, say it my way." Okay. So I was more worried about my own butt than I was who else was in the Yeah, stage. because back um, a while back, uh, mm-hmm. I interviewed Martin Cove. I don't know if you remember him. He was uh, the sensei on the Karate Kid. The it original. May have I've heard that rumor that he was in the same commercial. It may have been. It's the commercial's up on the air. Yeah, well, he told um, me he was the Irish Spring guy, but, of course, you know, they may have had different times when they had different people, so I wasn't sure, but I was curious if... Ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could be. Could, but, I, I, I'd heard that story, so it's altogether possible, and there were a couple commercials. But, yeah, I, I did the Irish Spring commercial, and... Uh, and 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 my father uses soap. Oh, he loved Irish Spring, so I was like, I felt okay about it. And uh, um, eight months later, I got I was I was on Venice Beach reading the script for Caddyshack, and I was reading about Lacey Undraw. I'm like, she's not this girl. But if I were this girl, what would I do? What would what? Could you imagine being com- giving being given complete license to do anything you wanted, have anything you wanted, to be this person, Lacey Underall? Yeah, and I was like. That'd be so cool, but I'm. I'm t- but I knew they'd never hire me, so I was like, I went into the meet, into the auditions fearless because I was never going to get this job. So I, so I, 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 I did the first audition, and then I came back for the second one. And the last audition, I, I, I looked at the sign up sheet, and I'm the only one there to read for the part of Lacey. Wow! Wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't right. They're, these guys are taking this seriously. Something's not right here. I was, I was a little nervous. I went out into the parking lot in the cold sweat and went. Oh my God! They're they're these guys are nuts. They, they really are thinking about <laughs> casting me as lazy. I went all right. Focus on one thing. If I can make the man I'm reading with sweat, then I'll get this job. Just think about that. Don't think about the lines. Don't think about what I'm doing or saying. Just make that man sweat. Mm-hmm. And I and, and hope to God it's a man who's <laughs> I'm reading them. So, so so I walked into the room and there was Dad Kenny. I loved Dad. And and um, he had the script. And when I saw the little trickle of sweat coming down the side of Dad Kenny's face, I knew I had the job. Hmm. Now, did you, at that point, did you know that Chevy Chase was going to be in the film and Bill Murray? He was in the room. And... So I figured he was in the in the film. Yeah, he was in the room. John Peters was in the room. Dad Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And. Uh... But I didn't. I wasn't a huge. As soon as I knew I was going to work with somebody, uh, I mean, I knew obviously knew who Chevy was, but I hadn't. I wasn't a big student of his work. I mean, I was working so much in broadcasting myself. I didn't have a lot of time to sit around and watch a lot of the television. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so um, I knew who he was. And as, as soon as I know I'm going to work with somebody, I don't watch any of their work. The reason being, not that I don't like them. The reason is. I don't want to be intimidated. I don't want to be impressed, or I, I, I want to react to them just as they are when they show up on the set. Mm-hmm. I want that fresh, whoever they are. I just want to meet them dead on as they are. It, it, because if I if I watch too much of his work, I would start seeing him in his other roles, and oh. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So um, so so I knew Chevy pretty much just as we met on the set. Me as Lacey and and him as whoever the hell he was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so being on the set with well, i don't know if you were on the set with all of these people at this, you know ted knight and everybody else at the same time mm-hmm. but uh-huh. was it 
I mean, was it just a? I, I can picture it as being a constant, you know, horsing around and joking around. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was Animal House on a golf course. Wow. It really was. It really was. I mean, this was. This was very different than Disney. This was a case of. Um, uh, after shooting, you go to the party in whoever's room the party's in, and if you didn't go to sleep, you either get out of, roll out of bed at a certain hour, or you come home from the party and take a shower. Either way, you end up in the shower, and you, and you go that where we were staying had the wardrobe department and makeup department, and everything was in it. You just rolled through makeup and wardrobe and got outside and said, "Okay, what are we doing today?" You know, and because so much of it was ad libbed, so much of it was loosely structured it that was, yeah. um, you just sort of went with whatever was going on. Huh. Jeez. Well, it's such a, it's such a crazy film. It's, it's just a riot to watch that well, film. For example, the piano scene where Chevy's, you know, had playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so much of Lacey came out of the little mind of Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis was the, had a lot of Lacey's naughty antics from his <laughs> it. And he, 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 I was getting my makeup touched up during some of the love scenes. And I laugh when I say love scenes because that was some of the hardest stuff we did. It was hot. We were tired. We were fighting. And we were anywhere but in the mood you would think we were in. But, but, Passion reads his passion, so it was just fine. It worked just fine. But um, anyway, Harold comes up and says, I want you to go over there and sit down next to Chevy. Why? <laughs> just, just do it. Uh, it's, I said, it's hot. We're tired. We're burning daylight. we got things to do, you know? I mean, you just, he said, just sit down and say, sing me a love song. I said, fine. So I sat down and I said, sing me a love song. And I look at Chevy. Now watch my eyes next time you watch that scene. I look at Chevy. He plays a few bars, snorts the salt, and throws the tequila over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking at this. Now watch my eyes. And out of the corner of my right eye, the goddamn camera light's on. They're so shooting this son of a bitch. <laughs> They're shooting this. They're shooting this thing, and, and they didn't tell me. And, and, that, and by the way, when, when, I, when I took a shot of the tequila and you hear my voice catch in my throat, that's not acting. Really? This is terrible. And I went, you son of a gun. I said, oh, and I had a big wad of gum in my mouth, and I blew a bubble in Chevy's face, and that was the button on the scene. It was, you just got to go with it. You know, when, when, you're, when you're seen with guys like this, you, you, and then thank God I had about five minutes of improvisational training from a great teacher, a great coach, Harvey Limbeck, who had um, three classes of 24 at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, at, and I was lucky enough to end up there in his lowest class down. But in his master's class of 24, he had um, John Ritter, Penny Marshall, and Robin Williams. Wow. This guy taught comedy by the numbers. And I got yelled at every week. Every every week, Harvey was yelling at me. Harvey Lembeck, you would re- remember him if you ever saw the movie um, Dalek 17. Or if you, he, he played um, mm-hmm. Shapiro to Animal, who is the bigger character. He played the comic relief. Or, okay. or if you saw the Beach movies, he was Eric Von Zipper. But, oh, but yes, he, learned yeah. com- he learned comedy from the old vaudeville method of comedy the comedy rules and there actually are and and he would yell at me morgan you're the straight stop going for the joke because have you with my radio background i did all the talking including all the jokes right and, and when you're in a scene where you've got you can't have abbott without costello you can't have laurel without hardy you got to have if somebody's playing you know doing the comic the comedy somebody's got to anchor the scene and play the straight much to Ted Knight's chagrin, he was ending, ending up playing straight to Rodney Dangerfield. Right. That was not his plan. <laughs> he thought he was going to be the comic. And, and in his case, um, Rodney was rolling through the scenes like a bug-eyed juggernaut, just saying whatever the hell popped into his head. And, and Ted's holding onto the script by his fingernails going, 
they're seen here. You know, well, but I guess not. You know, and, and Ted really was angry by the end of filming, which we all evolved into versions of our characters. Yeah, and it fit well with the movie, though. I mean, oh, he was so mad. Huh. He was he was he was so fed up with all of us. He was just he just he just he just didn't know what to say. He just he, he just had had it. It's it's. I mean, at, at the toward the end, the last scene we shot was the um, the Boca scene, and and, when, and the book I'm writing, that that chapter I, I start with. There's a picture of Ted looking just madder than hell, and and then me sitting there. You can tell nobody at the table speaking to anybody else. There is there's Henry Wilcoxon, who's the only one who's well behaved, by the way. Henry Wilcoxon playing the bishop, and mm-hmm. Ted and myself, and nobody's talking, and you can tell by our faces. You know, and 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 the, my line is, "Dying is easy, comedy's hard," <laughs> because we were really, you know, you just had, because at that point Rodney was going to waltz his scene, and everybody had to be ready for whatever Rodney did. Hmm. So, so was most of it done in one take, or did they did they have to do oh, it several times? It was it was done. However, it was done. It was it, there was there was no format for this, which what which they learned when they tried to do Caddyshack too. Oh, let's just do the same thing again. That didn't work. When any, whenever anybody asked me which Caddyshack I was in, I say the funny one. It's, it's <laughs> hard to do a second one for any film, really. I mean, it, it's it's tough unless you get the same elements. I mean, we were struck by comedy lightning. I mean, right. the, 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 the characters worked well with each other, and 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 uh, you know, um, that's. I, I don't think people go to movies to see ideas or, or I, I think people want to fall in love with the characters yeah or, oh, yeah. or they they know those people i it's like it's for me it's like watching home movies watching my goofy uncle rodney having a few too many and going <laughs> and there's my uncle bed and there's my you know it's, it's like well, you know, for, so it's like that and i'm and imagine watching caddyshack kind of like that for other folks too because when i go to another city and i do an event people know you right yeah Now, now you mentioned since you mentioned it uh, about the book you're writing. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, what what is this book going to be uh, about? The first, it, it, there's, it's, it's turning into a trilogy. The first one has to be a coffee table book because I've got unbelievably uh, just vibrant uh, behind the scenes images of, of the making of Caddyshack, mm-hmm. um, and I've I've got those put together. So it's going to be a co- the first one's going to be a coffee table book, and I'm going to follow that right on the heels of that with the text driven book. Um, for a couple reasons, the pictures are great and it's well balanced out, and and it, and and there's my firsthand commentary right, right next to the photo. Yes, that is a three-story fireball. Yes, they mined the golf course with gasoline. You, there's the picture of the gasoline truck. You can see it right there. The next day, they they blew it up, three-story fireball. The next day, they painted it green and they blew it up again. And here's. And there's a picture of me, all the actors running toward camera, going, get my face on the camera. And you see one lone finger standing there looking at the smoke going, am I the only one who just saw this? It's me standing there. <laughs> and I'm like, the next day I got so far away from that thing, I thought, these guys are nuts and they're giving them gasoline. So I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> It could be a dangerous combination. <laughs> I'm just you. Get, you guys have your party. I'm I'm going to this far as, and I could still hear it. You know, from where I was. I think I was back in the hotel, which wasn't that far from the site. I, I thought they are giving them more gasoline. I am just going to go someplace far, far away. <laughs> so, um, what else is going to be in the book? Uh, it's it's pretty much pretty much uh, from it's called from Catholic School to Caddyshack, but it's pretty much. The story of Caddyshack, me, yeah. me getting the job, and what, just just brief a brief 
what it was like growing up and then get ending up dropped after 12 years of Catholic school, getting dropped into arguably one of the funniest movies of all time oh, yeah. and yeah. hanging on and, and staying in that, in that film and, and, and uh, working with these guys and what it was like. I want to take the reader by the hand and say, come here, look at this. You're not going to believe this. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and look at this photo. Look at this photo. Look, and and there's, there's what we're doing. And, and look at me diving. There's me up on the board. Understand that I've got my contact lenses out. I'm on a high board. I can't see, <laughs> let alone swim or dive. And I'm up there walking back and forth blind on that board so they can like me <laughs> the camera. And then I actually have to take the spring so they can cut to the real diver. And that was the first insane thing I did, you know. I mean, so so it was just it was trial by fire a lot of it, but some of the best fun I had ever had, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh yeah, jeez. So now you mentioned when when is this book going to be coming out? First off, I'm thinking I'm, uh, the way it looks. We're in rewrites. I'm uh, I'm I'm guessing spring. It should be spring. Spring of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. That that sounds like it's going to be interesting. And you mentioned... Yeah, and I'm, but I'm going to follow it with the text-driven book, which is a lot more in-depth and a lot more into it. And, and, and this one just is so well... Ba- this one just... It's just balanced, and it just... It just it's, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm writing it, and I can already see it. So And, and I'm already seeing the, the text-driven book written, but it, it's... It, it's funny when you when you when you go to do an interview with somebody, you sort of see the structure ahead of time, or hopefully you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the structure is right there. So so this one once this one's done, we're coming right in with the texture of the book. Ah, okay. So and you say a trilogy. So yeah, what would the third one be? More text or? Well, more text, more, and, and there will be more photos. But yeah. uh, the, the second one, I'm, I'm pulling. I'm pulling. My, my literary agent is fighting me on this, but his assistant says it's okay. I want to call the second one, everyone I know is nuts, the Cindy Morgan story. And he says no. Personally, I think it's true, and I don't know one person who disagrees with me. I mean, <laughs> everyone I know is nuts, the Cindy Morgan. I mean, is it true? Am I right? <laughs> that, well, that that film is, everybody was crazy in that film. Everybody a little bit of crazy and if you accept this and go with it and i've got a study guide that goes i i, I said about proving it there's a subtext where i prove it if you just go along with that things get a lot easier yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, um, but they're fighting that title so i'm not sure what we're gonna do and then the third one i'm still uh, i know the beginning but i don't know the end because i'm still living it what it was like to go through that that part and that part and i'm just ha- i'm just finally getting to do what I want to do. I mean, I fell into acting. I fell into the, being a disc jockey, and I loved every single minute of it. But this is something I really wanted to do, just tell stories. It's, I just I just love telling people what it was like. It's yeah. so cool. Well, that's great. And, and how lucky to have had a chance like that, even though it was tough, even though there was a lot of fighting, even though you know, you're know you sweating bullets and sometimes blood. It mm-hmm. still was a remarkable opportunity that I wouldn't give up for anything in the world. Yeah, and 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 the the back behind the scenes pictures, uh, they just I love seeing those because you know you get a, a better feel of what went on in the film. Oh my God, yes. Oh yeah, you know, and and, and what, what people were thinking and feeling, and 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 because it's my firsthand account, it's like that's me, that's me talking to Doug, and that's 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 that that's yep, that's that's the fireball, and that's that's me, that's that's me up on the high board, and yeah, that's the stunt girl with her hands on her head going, oh my God, come below. <laughs> I mean, you can see what people are doing and saying. I mean, it's, it's very clear. I mean, there was one picture I stopped with the uh, the editor, uh, Bill Cruz. He's, he's, uh, we were going through this together, and I said, Bill, 
why is there that great big piece of plexiglass in front of that camera? He goes, well, Cindy, you never knew where the golf balls were going to go. I said, well, okay, I understand that, but what's protecting B camera right next to it? He goes, see that little piece of shredded carpet? <laughs> I said, oh, and, and I think I, 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 I think, I think I said something like, um, seasoned professionals are like war horses. They know, you know, they didn't come to play. They came to win, and they also know when the hell to get the, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just back off. You see that ball coming at you. Um, there were no major injuries, to the best of my knowledge, on the, on the move, move yeah. Caddyshack. Uh-huh. Why I didn't break my neck hitting that water at that speed, I have no idea. Uh-huh. Now, this is a, probably a bad question because it, it's, a, it's you know not probably fair to ask you this, but of the two films, Tron and Caddyshack, mm-hmm. if you could mm-hmm. only have been in one, would you? Which one would you have picked? Oh, that's a. T- it's not a bad question. It's a tough. Question. Well, you know, I, I hate to put people on the spot like that, but, oh, <laughs> but I'm going you're to. Not, you're not putting me on the spot at all. I, it, 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 I'm just trying to think of how I could answer. There were certain elements of each that I right. wouldn't give up for all the money in the world. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in the film Tron, I mean, working with those actors, I mean, I mean, Jeff Bridges and Barnard Hughes and, and David Warner, and, mm-hmm. and in something that was so groundbreaking and creating a character that was so difficult for me. I mean, Yori was just such an incredibly difficult character because I had to assign human characteristics. I, in my mind, I had to figure out who the hell this person person was and in my mind i saw a two-dimensional entity that had some of uh, it was a two-dimensional version of the real person in the real world and it was such a tough one to do but but i, I wouldn't trade it for anything whereas lacy my god that was so hard that that being that sits to play but i gotta tell you there's a little yuri and cindy and there's a little lacy and there's a little yuri and lacy there's, there's a little bit of us and all of us there's, there's so it kind of does cross over. Playing Lacey was tough, but boy, once I t- got the reins of that character, I rode that one all the way. <laughs> I mean, because I, once I found out people were intimidated because I was Lacey, was like, this is great. I can get away with anything I want. So, so I had a lot of fun on that one, too. Yeah. I, I, they, were, they were both a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure they were, yeah. Um, now, there's, of course, you were, you were in, after that, you were in you know all kinds of episodes of TV shows and everything, but you also... Oh, yeah. uh, and, and this show, I, I don't think it got the credit that it that it was due, but I enjoyed it. So I'm going to talk about it. So <laughs> bring him back alive. Bring him back oh, alive. That's where I think I did some of my best work. I'll be honest. With you. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, the show. Because a, a lot of folks didn't see it, but I think I did some of my best work there. It was some of the hardest. Where I was doing stunt work. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I was doing things I had no idea I could do. Um, but. I think we were called upon to take it to another level, and I, the, the production value, I think, was very, very high. I think there were – the problems with Bring Back Alive were not the way it looked, not the way it came off. The problems were internal – well, first of all, there were two identical shows on the air at the same time. Right, Um uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey. Tales of the Gold Monkey yes. and Bring Them Back Alive, which fractured the market. They were they were they were spinoffs of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right. So yeah. there was that problem, and 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 uh, there were some folks who, you know, I, I've got to be honest, who who weren't playing for the home team, uh, you know, in, on, really? in the in the production level. Yeah, they were making they, they were making things much more complicated and difficult than they needed to be. This it, 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 the fun element. I mean, there were there were assistant directors coming up to me going. I can't come in tomorrow because I'm peeing blood. 
the hours were long, 14-hour days, 16-hour days, not counting travel time. Wow. Um, then doing stunts out of places like Indian Dunes. I don't know if you remember Indian Dunes, but it's famous for the Twilight Zone disaster. Oh, you mean yeah, the, that, that, the that, that when they were Yeah, with that plane crash. Yes. Yeah. That's where we would shoot out places like that. I mean, we would drive an hour to locations and the, or, or the Arboretum, and they would have us in water. Now, it looks lovely because it's, it's the lagoon for the Fantasy Islands, but the, the water was so filthy when you were in the water that they were pouring peroxide into our ears and our nose as we would come out. Oh, and I would go in there to pull, like, Bruce was dying, and I'm dragging him out, and I'm like, kick, God damn it! you wait three times what I do, we move, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and a lot of the stunts were just, uh, an elephant um, hauled off at one point, and, and I'm telling you, she was not trying to hurt me, she was just, it was almost a compliment, she, she hauled off with her trunk and smacked me across the face, so I was just standing next to her, wow. waiting for the next shot, um, she hauled up and smacked me across the face so hard, she knocked my contact lenses out of my eyes, wow. um, hard lenses I was wearing at the time, mm-hmm. and I was told by the trainer that that was not, if she wanted to hurt me, I would have been hurt, I'm sure it was yeah. more... It would. It was more. Uh, elef, uh, elephants are a matriarchal society, and it was her way of letting me know she was the big girl on the block. <laughs> she could have done it a little easier, and you would have understood it then, anyways, wouldn't you? <laughs> she could have just told me. I would have accepted it. You're gonna hit me. It was. It was a very physically demanding thing. And the other thing that really got me, to, it was that I had to be in hair and makeup earlier than the guys because there was so much more to do to, to bring 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 all that the hair and the makeup of the, of the period of the time right and i was given you know and we're running up and down hills and the guys are wearing you know combat boots and and khakis mm-hmm. i'm wearing open-toed high-heeled shoes and dresses right <laughs> now it's not one little bit funny when on the weekends you go in and i'm going to a doctor to have things removed from under my nails oh, and i go to the, the masseuse and she's like what are these bruises all over your body what what is this but it could have been a hell of a lot worse yeah. um you know uh, th- th- we had the best stunt the stunt people we should have had them on the set every single minute of every single day Jeez. Huh. i remember one morning at 6 a.m they said okay morgan you see that 100 foot cliff i said yeah this is 6 a.m I said, yeah. They said, okay, we want you to... Now, at 6 a.m., I got up at 4.30, drove my butt out to somewhere in the middle of nowhere. And at 6 a.m., they were pointing to a 100-foot cliff. And they said, you see that? I said, yeah. They said, you see that rope up there? I said, yeah. They said, grab that rope, swing down here like Tarzan, and hit this mark. Jeez. I said, and hit this mark? (laughs) I said, what are you, insane? And they said, are you going to make us wait for a stun girl? And... I, I, from, at that, that point, I allowed myself to be pushed. Wow. Every, everything about that means, yes, you call the stunt girl. She, that, she, that is her job. She is trained to do that job. Mm-hmm. She, 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 it's her, it belongs to her. That's her training. And that's, that's who it belongs to. But I got bullied into it. You know, you know. Sometimes I didn't. I don't get bullied a lot, but sometimes under fatigue, you, you know, you'll. It, they, they. What their answer was? Are you going to make us wait an hour for a stunt girl to get out here? Yeah. Huh. And and I should have said yes. That's her job. Right. You know, yeah. and she needs this job. She's good at that job. She knows how to do that job, and she could use money. And 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 this is also very dangerous. Um, the, the worst, the most dangerous thing we did on Bring Her Back Alive, one of the opening sequences. You see us on a three hundred foot waterfall. 
that's the 300-foot exterior waterfall yeah. was shot on the island of Kauai. Yeah. That is also where Fantasy Island. I think they used that one from that. Um, that shot was taken from a bridge across to the waterfall, which was, I don't know, a good half a mile away. Mm-hmm. So the, the camera's over there. Bruce and I and maybe one assistant director are over at the waterfall, and that's, it's a 300-foot drop, and we're about 30 feet from the edge of the waterfall. And Bruce weighs about, I'm guessing, 220, and I'm, I'm, and I'm about 120. And so we're getting on, the, on, the, on this little island toward the waterfall so they can get their shot. And I stand on this thing, and I said, stop. And Bruce said, what? I said, this is not an island. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, stop. Don't move. Don't talk. Don't breathe. I said, don't rock. I said, this is matted reeds. And any movement can crack us. We're 30 feet from the edge of the cliff. Oh, Just geez. stand dead, stock still, let him get the shot, and then slowly ease off of this thing. Yeah, that was dangerous. But I also think I did my best work. Yeah. No, because I, <clears throat> the emotions were running high on that show. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that show. Is it out on DVD, do you know? I think it should be. I think there, there a lot of it was done real. We had some fine actors. We had some, some, some fine... The production value was very high. Um... That there are a lot of you know monkeys with monkey wrenches you know screwing things up, but but I'm telling you, it, there are a lot of really good things that came out of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Another show you were on that was uh, you were on actually, I think you were on more episodes of that show than Bringing Back Alive was Falcon's Crest. That probably Falcon. I was on that show twice actually. Did you know that? On Falcon's Crest. Uh huh. I was on it like I think the first season as uh, Lorenzo Lamas's love interest. I did a couple episodes. And then I, and then I didn't. Uh, a few years later, I was called in. Whole new set of producers. I didn't bother to tell them I was on the show earlier. <laughs> didn't want to ruin it. Huh? They, <laughs> and they brought me in, and they put me up against uh, uh, Robert Foxworth. Right. And I didn't say a goddamn word. <laughs> and about the fourth episode, one of the crew came up to me and said, "You were on the show before." I said, "No, I wasn't." <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> You were on the show before. It was a whole new set of producers. Nobody knew, but by the time everybody figured it out, I'd already established my character. And I thought, yeah, okay. That's right. You were Gabrielle on... Gabrielle, uh, yep. And then you were Lori. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Huh. Sometimes it pays to keep your mouth, my mouth shut. I do. <laughs> they must have, people must have thought, hmm. I mean, the people that really watch these things oh, yeah. must have oh, said, yeah. now, wait a I, minute. I think they got a big kick out of that. I, you know, and, and the thing is, it was, it was, it was like, it, it was a great, I was only supposed to do a couple episodes, and that character just ran and ran and ran and right. ran. And I had, I was really lucky to be in that group. I, I loved working with people like Jane Lyman. I learned so much from, from watching how she handled herself and watching how the, the other actors handled themselves. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm going to tell one tale out of school. I, I, I had a part that was pretty good sized in it, and I came out you know, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And we would have our table reading, and there were as many producers as there were actors, by the way, at this point. And, and we're all sitting at the table, and I come to the table reading. And there is, and, and, and you know, like in a high school cafeteria, everybody huddles in, and there's no place for me to sit down. Mm-hmm. And Jane Wyman stood up and said, I'll get a chair for Cindy. And made everybody wait, Ooh. took her time, <laughs> came back with a chair, and said, now we can read. And, I, and I'm like, thank you. And wow. I'm trying to make myself as small and innocuous as possible. She really, but she would play poker with the crew. You know, she, she, she just, she was all about good manners, do your job, and quit screwing around. You know, you know just do your job. Oh, yeah. And um, I came, there was one scene I had with Jane where I just came in, I throw a newspaper down because... The headline insulted my, my family, and I fall off and I slap her. 
and that's something. And I, I, I walk in and I, we were, I didn't speak to her that much. And I said, Ms. Wyman, I, I apologize in advance for what I'm about to do. And she goes, oh, honey, just do your job. <laughs> and, and, and in truth, when you do a stunt like this for camera, you, you get nowhere near the person. Right. And, yeah. and also, you, you get, uh, for her, I, I, I don't, my understanding was she had actually had her neck broken or Ooh. damaged in a stunt similar to this. So, so there, was a, there was somebody, a double in for her, you know, on the other side of camera. Mm-hmm. And I said, just give me a pair of eyes to look at and somebody to take the head jerk. And I can do that. I can. I just. I just need a pair of eyes to look at. And then you know she was nowhere near it. Yeah. Uh huh. Jeez. But yeah, that was a fun show. That was that. that was a, a fiery character. I love that. <laughs> now we're going to finish up here uh, with uh, just two questions that take us away from all the things we've talked about. Your favorite TV shows of all time, not necessarily ones you were in, but uh, what do you enjoy for TV? New old doesn't make any difference. New and old. God. Well, th- th- lately I've been watching. Television's gotten so fra- fragmented. I mean, there's so many different kinds of television oh, shows. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm a big sucker for the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, a big sucker. I mean, they're, they're, they've, they've got a show called Merlin that I just love. Mm-hmm. That actually, I got a, I got a picture with some of those guys. I mean, when they heard I liked the show, they, they, they I couldn't believe it. They called me over at Comic Con and took pictures of me. I'm like, I, I, I felt like a goofball. Man, you know, it's like like I, I love you all so much. <laughs> just like such an idiot, you know. And uh, then I did, and but but the older shows, heck, I, I liked the, you know, growing up, I loved all of them, all of the comedies and so comedies and science fiction. Yeah. Hmm. Now, what about movies? What are your favorite movies of all time? Hunter at October. Honestly, my my friends are a little worried about me because all I'm watching are because I'm because now we're doing the book, we're doing all these different, we're doing websites, we're doing communications. I'm watching movies like uh, A Few Good Men, The Hunt for Red October, The Pelican Brief. Everything I'm watching is is, is about strategy. Patton, yeah. I seem to be watching that way too much. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm watching a lot of films that have a lot to do with strategy and figuring things out and wartime tactics. And my favorite book is The Art of War, which mm-hmm. is... And, and, and you, you, you know that guy, Sun Tzu. The, the best battles are won without a shot fight. How to get things done when it's in, in, in a world gone crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's the job. Everybody wants it done, and then there's all these guys with monkey wrenches. <laughs> yeah. like, go get cable. Find something else to do. Then <laughs> to screw something up. Find your own project, for God's sake. You know, but, but, but get out of my... This train's leaving the station. Get out of the way. So, so I'm, 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 I'm watching more and more... Uh, I'm fascinated with... Uh, Films that have to do with strategy, because because there's there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and then there's the way that gets the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, in each in each case, you have to make your choice. Yeah. Now, Cindy, where can people get information about you and the movies you have been in in your book, and when everything is coming out? Is there a site that they can go to? Yeah, you betcha. I got I've got a lot of sites, and and um, for the Tron fans, who, I, I don't want to use that word for the Tron folks who are so supportive of the character. They started a Yori Liz campaign that was picked up by the press. I don't know if you know about that. Well, I was going to want to ask you about that. I forgot to ask you about that one too, but. I, you know. That's okay. I know time's limited. I mean, I just want to thank them for what they did. I mean, I can't believe how organized and how amazingly heartfelt, you know, their passion was for the character. I, 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 I really stand humbled at what they did and the efforts they put it through. And my understanding is the third Tron will include the character Yori. So, uh-huh. you know, God bless them for, for all of their efforts. 
Um, the the main website, it, you said, where can people get information? Yes. That's a good question. It's called cindymorganinfo.com. Mm-hmm. All right. cindymorganinfo.com. And, 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 if, and, and believe me, it's hard to remember my name because I locked horns with John Peters on one film. And I, well, there's all kinds of stories, but it never had anything to do with my job. Let me put it to you that way. Um, so so if, you, if you like Tron, go for the character Yori, and you'll be able to backtrack it to Cindy Morgan. Go to cindymorganinfo.com, and you'll find YouTube. You'll find Facebook. You'll find Yori Lives um, on Facebook. Or, there's also one on MySpace. You'll find you'll, YouTube videos. You'll find, it, it's all there. All the information is up there. And my folks are really good, really organized. I mean, I'm lucky to be surrounded by, like, geniuses who put this stuff together. And um, very, very, very happy that they do it. And they do it because because they're, they love films, and they love the films that we're working on, and they love the projects that we're working on, and the books that we're working on, which are just telling about the films. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, go to cindymorganinfo.com, and that'll take you any number of places. If you're a Tron fan and you want to talk about Yuri, go to... Facebook's Yuri Lives. Uh, there's also a Cindy Morgan Facebook page. There's a YouTube. There, there, it just, it just go to that page and there's links everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, what we'll do is we'll put a link to CindyMorganInfo.com on our cool. website when we post this, and you know people can just click on that and then go right. To, it'll get take them right to your site, and they can get all the information they want. Cool. I got lots of lots of photos and, and stories and, and questions you probably wanted to ask that you'll think of later. Oh, I'm sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kept talking. I'm sorry. No, Cindy, this has been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun, and, and you've given us so much information about the, the, the behind the scenes. We love that. We really enjoy that, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, and, and, I, and I really love it. I mean, this, I'm really having the time of my life. This is this is. I remember when I first got into the entertainment business. Remember how you had that passion for it? You could work 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting that passion back by working with people who really love what they're doing. And we all, we're, we're, we're all thrilled to be, to be working again for things that we love. And, and uh, I don't know. I think it shows. I think it does. Yeah. I, it, it, just, it just feels great. So thank you. And I want to thank Cindy so much once again for taking the time to talk to us. Great guest, a lot of information, and and just love that movie Caddyshack. And it's just a, just a crazy film. So, anyways, uh, let's see. I want to remind you once again about the contest that's going on right now. You can win yourself a copy of Greek Chapter Five, the complete third season of uh, the show Greek, and it's from On Screen and Beyond and Shout Factory. And simply email us at contest at onscreenandbeyond.com, the name of three main characters from the show, or tell us which cast member's father was a past guest on On Screen and Beyond. All right, and January 14th, that'll end, and we'll take all the correct answers, and we'll have a drawing to find out who our winners are, and that's uh, coming up on January 14th, so you still have time to get your entry in. Just just email us that. Very simple. And let's see, what else we got going on here? Uh, I want to... Uh, let you know that we're getting ready to head out to the California Independent Film Festival from January 28th. We're going to start that, and we're going to head out there and uh, check out some great films. If you get a chance, you're in the area, check it out, and uh, if you see me there, say hi. And that wraps up another episode of On Screen and Beyond. We want to thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time. I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.